It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. World's Finest back with you on Tuesday. We'll talk the Nuggets. Do they have an elite home court? Certainly seems like they do, but we'll talk about what that means. Team USA is looking to get the band back together for the Redeem team. What if they run into a Serbia team with Nikola Jokic next summer? And we'll answer the question, who needs to spend some time with the Grand Rapids Gold? All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Appreciate you guys being with us here on a Tuesday night. Folks hanging out with us in the chat segment already, listening to us on YouTube as we do record the show live when we do record. Uh, folks like T-Bone and Irwin and Joshua, folks hanging out with us. Appreciate you guys being with us. Appreciate you joining us on whatever platform that you've chosen. We are on Apple Podcasts, and if you're listening there, take a second and give us a five-star review. It helps us out a ton. It's great publicity for the show. It helps other people catch on to a show that we know you guys love so much. We appreciate your support. Uh, thanks if you're listening to us on Spotify, or if you're catching us on YouTube, you can catch a live version of the show, like I mentioned. Just go to youtube.com slash LockedOnNuggets, and you can catch a live version edition of the show and join in the chat segment that's always bumping this is t-bone 303 says about to listen to the fellas and play some 2k it's a beautiful day that's nice. a vibe right there man that's a nice vibe it's a vibe my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network i'm joined by adam mares the director of content for dnvr make sure to check out all the great work over there at the dnvr.com and catch all their pre and post game shows for every single colorado sports game in the universe i've been catching the buffs game coverage uh i watched the broad are you pro buffs like where are you at on buffs uh i am pretty pro because i almost went there they were my number two school okay so um i i've always liked i've always liked the buffs so, so it has it's not necessarily like a prime thing you're just i just i'm kind of curious what people feel about the prime if it's like hey i'm enjoying this it's or... wild to watch from a distance. It's wild to watch a sport that I was honestly like confused when I moved here about how little people care about college, college football. Yeah. yeah. And then to see all of a sudden it instantly become the biggest story in the state has yeah. been a very wild transformation for me. College football, somebody I would think I was, I don't remember if we were talking about this or who it was, but somebody was saying when people ask me like, what is American culture? They answer, college football and i'm telling you that I, the more i'm around it the more i kind of am like yeah this is such a uniquely and layered american experience 
Somebody today on the DNVR account was like, I don't understand the obsession with college sports in the US. And I'm like, yeah, it is hard to explain. I don't yeah, it's I don't know how to explain it. It's it is weird, but yeah, it is very strange, but it's also very deeply rooted in um our hashtag way of life. Yeah. So uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about the Nuggets home court. I've got a, a couple of thoughts I want to bounce off of Adam about it. Uh, we're going to talk about LeBron James is getting the band back together for the Redeem team next summer, bringing a whole bunch of friends with him because that's that that's how LeBron wins. And so they'll probably run teams. into some really good teams next summer, including possibly the silver medalist Serbian team, potentially with Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about what happens there. Uh, and later on in the third segment, we're going to talk about who needs time with the Grand Rapids gold because it's a, good question. Uh, it's, it's a really fascinating question. I think to, to answer, uh, there was a Q and a with Ben Tenzer, uh, who is the GM of the gold executive uh, head of basketball operations uh, in the Denver post. And, and so kind of wanted to, it got me thinking about that question. We'll talk about all that and more on today's show, but we'll start with nuggets home court. Uh, so the Nuggets have historically been one of the most dominant teams in terms of regular season home court, and it's not hard to figure out why. Yeah. Uh, I have appreciated the fact that in seasons past, they would play the altitude warning when teams were warming up about an hour before the game, and they moved it this season to right before intros, which I thought was a really terrific move. That's when you should play it because it also like it amps the crowd up a little bit more to keep them on the edge. Uh, it's just, I love that there's just this reminder. If you haven't been to a Nuggets game, if you've never had the opportunity to go, they play a warning that says, please be advised, Ball Arena is located at 5,000 <laughs> and right. just the whole altitude thing. And then list like, uh, those may suffer with the various uh, symptoms of, al of altitude sickness. So that's always kind of been the thing. Um, I, I kind of want to just get a sense from you. You've now, you've seen some other arenas now you've been to some other places. I want to get your sense of what you think of the nuggets home court, what makes it unique and how impactful you think it is. Well, first of all, with the arena part of it, most arenas have the same feel to them. And there's very few that have a unique feel to them like Madison Square Garden, right? Or, you know, a place like that. Maybe Chase Center or the Sacramento one. Is that Golden One Center? That, like some of, so There's some that have a very distinct and like, oh, this is unique. We're in a unique setting. But most of them to me are like very identical. Charlotte, yeah. Atlanta, Denver, right. LA. They're just like nondescript 21st century arena. And that's what Ball Arena is. So it doesn't have anything special there. The altitude is obviously a home court and the geography of it is a home court. So are, is an advantage. So in the regular season to what you mentioned, it all works, but it's interesting. You're asking me this today, a day when the Cubs come to Coors field and take on the Rockies and what is essentially a larger and louder home crowd for the Cubs than for the, for than they probably get back at Wrigley to be honest with you. So I, I wonder with the nuggets, we've seen that over the years, I am so curious to find out this year with the Nuggets sweeping the Lakers, winning a championship. I just wonder if the tide turns on that and on opening night and every other night that the Nuggets play the Lakers or the Celtics. If there's just a little bit more Nuggets people and a little bit less of it's a little less cool to be the guy who moved to Denver and is still a fan of whatever X, you know, X team you used to cheer for. I just wonder if Denver has captured some of those people. 
That's a fascinating question because there there has been so many cases of visiting fans, and like that will continue to be the case because you know the whole stop moving here thing is because this this place is amazing. Like Colorado is incredible. Like I don't want to live anywhere. It's really crazy to me that uh, I'm about to have lived here for as long as I've ever lived anywhere in my life. And like, I'm not going like my wife and I were talking, like we don't have plans to retire somewhere else. Like this is where we want to be because it's amazing. Right. But the result of that is that you're also going to pull in all that transplant fan energy. And which is why the Boston Celtics have so many fans, which is why the Lakers a little bit different. The Lakers always have fans, but I will say like here, it's they're more a global brand, although also Colorado is like 20% California. Right. So, right. that That's a, a huge part of the impact as well. Um, I do think that this Nuggets team is kind of reestablish, is not reestablishing, forever shifting the identity of what it means, the coolness factor, the cachet, uh, the pull, the allure of being a Nuggets fan, right? right? Because I think now there will be people that are like, oh, I was such a big fan, you know, like I'm, you know, I've been a Nuggets fan forever. Why? Oh, the Jokic team, you know, like right. that, that whole thing, the, the golden era, um, so to speak. And so I think you're right. I do think it's kind of interesting in that this Nuggets team has been really dominant at home. Like this Nuggets team has been, especially last one, especially like this team in last season, not, but there's reasons for that. But in the Jokic era with Jamal, they've been really good at home. And last season was obviously the, the pinnacle of that. Um, I have them as the second best uh, home court in the league behind, behind Memphis. Utah. Mem- Memphis, Memphis, actually. This is from a statistical standpoint. So that's what do you mean? That, so I actually took a look at how do you perform Against at home versus uh, on the road and then like figure out the differential and then versus the average. And the Nuggets actually have the largest point differential advantage, second largest, and Memphis was the only one. And that, honestly, a lot of that was because Memphis would just absolutely crush bad teams at home because all they do is get out and run, right? So, like, bad teams turn the ball over. Memphis's crowd makes you turn the ball over more. They get downhill, et cetera. The Nuggets just executed really well. And I don't know, you know, and they've, I, they were there was no complaints about the crowd this season. There shouldn't have been. The crowd was amazing from beginning to end this season. It's such a revelation and such a difference from where I've ever seen it since I moved here. Um, I do wonder, do you think that they can kind of evolve into a different kind of place? Because I'll also say this, like San Antonio, I think, is a really good example of this, where there's nothing necessarily. I will say that building's intimidating because it's a labyrinth. It feels like you're in the Death Star. But like in general, right? like small market town, not necessarily like a super intense place in San Antonio. That building's intimidating. Oh yeah. Because of the, the way that the fans present themselves at those games. Um, so I wonder if Denver has an opportunity to kind of model themselves after that a little bit. Well, I mean, no, because people aren't moving to San Antonio by the millions. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the difference. I mean, Colorado is, but I will say this growth in Colorado has slowed. I do think Colorado is probably over peak transplant right like it's starting to slow a little bit the economy has slowed a little bit there's just not enough places we're not building enough housing for to like house a constant wave of people and so i do wonder and then now denver like i said the nuggets are champions it's just different when your team is the champion i think the crowds i think all of these things in the previous years up until this point have been trying to will the team to victory but there's a different thing a different feeling you get walking into arena when you are the champs There's a certain level. I mean, sports are, at the end of the day, the value they bring to a city is civic pride. And I just think that there is probably more civic pride to be found and mined in the Denver Nuggets than there have been in previous years. So 
my hope and my belief is that this will be a year where Denver's home crowd is probably I mean, first of all, Matt, we're making this sound like they have a bad home crowd. They have a bad home crowd against the Bulls. They have a bad home crowd against the Celtics, the Lakers, the, the Bucks randomly a little bit, and the Warriors. Those are the teams. Everybody else, it's like nobody else comes in in droves, right? The Hornets right. come to town. It's like just Nuggets fans. But I do think that this will be the year where it's probably especially different, and that just is what happens when you win a championship. You can be a little louder. You can be a little bit more confident. And I think Nuggets fans are probably going to go into this season and go into Ball Arena for every home game with the confidence of, we're probably going to win tonight. It's also really funny to me how when the Nuggets were bad, it felt like their game ops were really corny. And when they were like like this last season, I was like, man, their game ops are incredible. The video packages, the music, like it was all really cool last season. I'm like, is that just because they're good? Is that like, is that yeah. the perception? Is like, it's 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 corny to act badass if you're just like a 500 team and it looks really imposing if you're the best team in the West. Um, things I will continue to wonder about. On the other side, LeBron is set to bring some friends to Paris next summer and not for the fashion show. Team USA's redeem team is getting back together for a little bit of a run. We'll talk about what that means in international competition, but more specifically, what if they run into a Team Serbia with Nikola Jokic next summer or Team Canada with Jamal Murray? We'll talk about that on the other side when we return on Locked on Nuggets. First, I need to tell you, about Ibotta. If you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for tailgates, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you'll get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks per year. That's the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you can use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing. Or you can go see a movie because there's some awesome movies coming out over the next month. We got Michael Mann. We have a Michael Mann film, a David Fincher film, and a Gareth Edwards film all in the next month. I'm so excited. Uh, you can use the money from Ibotta to purchase some tickets. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the app or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Back here on Lockdown Nuggets for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. World's finest. 
We're going to talk a little Team USA and international basketball. Team Serbia, Team Canada. So the news came out today, uh, very predictably, after Team USA lost. Although, quote, it's been in the works for some time and was not dependent upon them losing. I don't believe that. Um, That LeBron James is going to return for one last ride with Team USA next summer. That he's recruited all sorts of friends to go. Steph Curry, who's actually never played in the Olympics. Uh, Draymond Green. I was so surprised to learn that, by the way. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, what? I was like, no. because I was like, I've seen it. In the... And then it's, no, he, he really didn't. He, re- he really yeah. hasn't. Uh, so he's got Steph, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, supposedly, Jason Tatum. Uh, separately, Phoenix's Devin Booker, Portland. <laughs> Portland's Damian Lillard, Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox, and Dallas's Kyrie Irving also have serious interest in committing. So he's bringing all of the superstars to play next summer and, and do basically the redeem team. And this is very typical on multiple counts, which is uh, you didn't help out this squad when those guys, look, they lost, they they struggled. It wasn't a well-built team. They didn't play well. They're, you think it wasn't a well-built team? No, I don't. What was they, where were they lacking? Um, I think they were lacking size and like who's the size physical athleticism on the wing in particular is the thing. Right, that who's the size? Who are the, oh, the like from the rebounding perspective? Probably Bam. I would have probably talked yeah. to talk Bam into. But he, going. I mean, he he was just couldn't wasn't playing. I mean, they were missing LeBron. They were missing those guys. But yeah. I'm saying he wasn't available. But outside of that, some of this is one of the things that I think is interesting is the U S does have specific types of players, a lot of guards. Yeah. The U S has a lot of guards and they have some like, you know, wings or what have you, but I think they lack a front court a little bit. They do. They absolutely do. Which is actually why I like, I've been kind of knowing this, that like Andre Drummond, there's a reason that he was on a lot of these teams that played in international competitions is like, yeah, no, Andre Drummond's not great, but Andre Drummond's huge. And he's, he's huge, an incredible yeah. rebounder. Right. So it's like, just do this one thing to make sure that we don't get hurt in this regard in case we need it probably would have helped. I actually think Kevon Looney would, should have been the choice. Like I think they should. Have oh helped. yeah. That's a good one. That's a, yeah. I, I think Kevon Looney actually would have, would have helped them. But um, regardless, part of my thing is I have a lot of sympathy for the guys on team USA because they volunteered their off season to go represent their country. They took it seriously. They went through training camp. They competed, they failed, but they failed against the measure of what has become accustomed when they were never supposed to be as good. Like you're literally asking that team to be not as good, maybe, I don't know, half as good as a team with Kobe Wade and and LeBron. I mean, that part for sure. Yeah. And so that to me is like, that's very difficult. I think it's hard to ask Mikhail Bridges to be as good as, you know, half as good as Kevin Durant in 2014 Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. So I mean, I have, I have, I also appreciate guys that are willing to go out there for the U.S. because the U.S. is, is the U.S. basketball. I don't know of another sport that's like that, although I'm sure there are some out there. But another sport where a country is, you either win the gold or you failed miserably. <laughs> There's no, it's a tough tournament and anything can happen. It's just, no, you either win it all or it was a complete and total failure. So I do have respect for guys that are willing to sort of put themselves on the line and try to and go out there knowing that's the stakes. Um. But those that did not want to go for this overseas trip are now like, it's time. I will brave this and I will go and save the day. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's in Paris, a well-known place that NBA I mean, yeah. players love to hang out. That's not it. 
or that I feel it's beneath me to compete in the World Cup, but not in the Olympics. Come on, man. Come yeah. On. Although it was reported today, Sham Sharania was pointing out that the first stage, the U.S. is not in Paris. <laughs> They're actually going to be outside of Paris by like two hours. So maybe a shock to the guys that sign up thinking they're going to Paris and it will only be the tournament portion. Um, look, I roll my eyes at LeBron assembling a super team and I roll my eyes at this team. USA allegedly was going to do things differently and create a system and guys were going to be in the program. And this idea that LeBron is coming back with his old dog friends to create another thrown together super team. And by the way, it'll probably work. It to me is just such a, like, what are we doing? Like, let's just say that we, that when we put our best players together, that's our strategy. And all this other stuff is kind of, kind of gone now. Um, but that being said, Matt, here's my real take. This is shaping up to be a big Olympics. Huge. We were talking 2000 for basketball. 2008 is the last Olympics that I can definitively remember, like the redeem team. And I they played Spain and there was these guys and Kobe and this or that 2012, 2016 and 2020, I don't I, like I can't actually re you'd have to remind me what happened those years in the Olympics. You'd have to be like, that was the whatever era. I don't know. So I know they happened and I'll I could be reminded of them. But this one does feel like it's going to be a big one. Canada's going to be there. Probably Jamal's going to be there and Shea and we just Canada's got a bronze. They're kind of growing. Serbia, I think, has a good chance to having their best team in you know, for as far as Olympics goes in over a decade. So, and then Team USA bringing these guys. I just think it's shaping up to be a pretty big Olympic event. I think it's going to be massive because I would imagine Jamal probably plays. Yeah. Right. Unless the Nuggets, if the Nuggets win the title, I think that changes the equation. If the Nuggets go back to back, I think that changes the equation for both Jamal and Nicola. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, however, if the Nuggets do repeat, I think that increases the chances of either Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon being on the squad. Really? Um, yeah, I think that 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 changes the equation a little bit because they'll have been so much more exposed in terms okay. of like attention and respect. Um, and if you need like big athletic wings, you know. Um, so I think Team Canada is going to be stacked. Like I already like that team's really good. They, you know, they've, it was the disappointing finish for them, but there were times where they looked like the best team in the tournament. They just weren't able to sustain it. Right. Uh, then you've got obviously team USA, you've got Serbia, which won won silver with Nicola. Uh, I'm going to be really fascinated to see uh, actually France because There's they have location. Do what? There's location. a location. They have a really established and strong program history, right? Probably the last one for Rudy. There, it's funny because everyone's talking about Embiid playing for the U.S. He might play for France, which, please, that would be amazing. Is get me Team USA versus Jokic versus Embiid versus Giannis with like let's get everybody involved as much as we can. Luca's going to be be there. Well, hold on. First of all, the only teams that have qualified so have qualified. far, are you're right, you're right, France. You're right. The host and qualification so weird that some of this is going to be get messy. But France, they're the host nation. The U.S., Canada, Serbia, Australia, Germany, Japan, and South Sudan. Those are the only ones that have qualified so far. And by the way, Australia could have a very good team as well. They underperformed this year a little bit down, but um, I think they can be good. So I I don't know, man. I just think it's shaping up to be a big tournament. And anytime the U.S. But here's the other take. So I'm talking about this being a big tournament. Biggest one from a U.S. perspective. People in Europe might disagree. But from a U.S. perspective, if LeBron and Steph and they're getting the band and it's the last dance, as Shams is pro 
as he reported in quotes, it's the last dance for these guys. They're going to make a big show of it. Um, it's also an enormous opportunity. And I'm just looking at this, and I've said this before, but LeBron's career has not been storybook. The, his his story is almost hilarious in that he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time. But yet, his to me, he's tried so many times to tell the perfect story, and it always gets broken. And yeah. I look at this one, and I go, if this is the last dance, you know, I'm going to go back in the Olympics, and that's going to be the last thing people remember me. And they lose, and not just lose, Matt. But I think this is a huge opportunity for people like Yoke. Not that Yoke cares about these things. I, I mean, he aggressively seems to not care about them. But this opportunity to maybe win a title this year with the Nuggets, get two, but also to maybe beat this American dream team, this last dance of old guard. They're going to put a super team together and everybody's saying, oh, U.S. going to win every game by 1,000. If you somehow upset that, that to me, Matt, if Serbia were to upset that Team USA, to me, that would be a legacy changer for whatever player ends up, like if Luka does it, but if it's Jokic in Serbia, to me, that's a legacy changer. I agree. Um, it would also, I think, for more of what I think Jokic cares about, is it would kind of be the culmination of all the things that you covered and talked about in the documentary, right? I mean, it would be huge. It would be huge from a Serbia perspective to win an Olympic gold. They have only done it in 1980 when the U.S. did not participate, but they boycotted the Olympics. Uh, but if they well, got an Olympic gold, yeah, yeah, and like it, it would be. And so I think from that perspective, I think that's that's something I think Jokic would want to be a part of, right? Like that's the opportunity there. I think for him, man, is, yeah, is for is for him it's there's that whole thing about you know the legacy is the garden you don't get to see but like all of the greats of serbian basketball past getting to, to see like that's the fruits of the labor right is growing basketball in the country and they win gold over, you know after after or by beating team usa it would obviously i think be up there um a hard hard for me not to root for team canada that 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 squad has had a hard sure has had such a hard time getting its program together. And it seems like every time that they were starting to get the talent, it, the program's not in the right place. So they don't have the right coach or it falls apart. So I'd be really excited to see next summer's crew. Like I really enjoyed watching Canada this year. They were really fun in part, just because Shea Gillis Alexander's a madman. I just, I love Shea. Um, and let's look, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ruling it. Look, I, I have respect for Germany. I respect the Dude, are you kidding me? Of course. Just, just one gold. Just beat Team USA. That game was crazy to me where, and Serbia kept it close at the end, but like they closed as dogs. The German national team that knocked off Team USA and was undefeated closed as an underdog. In really? The gold medal. Yeah. That's how much people like the Serbian team. Um, I mean, it was a great game. It came it down to the last really minute. Game. It was a three-point um, game with, with a minute to go. You, you can't count out international basketball, Dennis Schroeder. Just, just can't. <laughs> for, you, you misspoke. Finals MVP, Franz Wagner, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I do have a question for our Serbian followers, though, because I don't know, Matt, if you know this, but most Serbians, when they rate who is the greatest Serbian basketball player, it really comes down to medal count, not yeah. accomplishments in the NBA. That comes secondary, because in my opinion, it's clear that Jokic is the best, most talented player to ever come out of Serbia. But greatest... They like to see the the stacking up of championships. 
And that's when you get into some of the old timers, um, body Roga, you know, the lip I think I'm probably screwed up some of these names, but what I wonder is Euro baskets matter a lot because, you know, it's your own continent. And historically those have been the goals that are most up for grabs. World Cups, Serbia and Yugoslavia before them actually have a lot. But if we're being honest, and I don't mean this as an excuse, the U.S. hasn't brought their best teams for the World Cups. They just haven't taken that one seriously. And so Serbia and Yugoslavia have beaten a lot of like bad U.S. teams. But the Olympics, there's only a gold with Argentina, a year when the U.S. kind of dropped the ball on their program. Again, not an excuse, just saying it was the U.S. had to revamp their program after that. You have the Soviet Union. And you've got Yugoslavia and then the rest and then U.S., right? Mm-hmm. If you got one against a real U.S. team, one that everybody was building as the last dance dream team, and you got that one to me, I know the guys that have eight gold medals and they have or eight medals and all these different things. I know it. But if you got one Olympic gold over a fully formed Team USA, to me, that one, in my opinion, I would imagine would carry an enormous amount of weight. Hmm. Fascinating. So we'll keep an eye out for Tell me what you think, Serbs. I'm curious if you think beating, getting a gold medal in a tournament when everybody brought all their best players, including the U.S., if that would matter a little bit more and factor a little bit more into you. Yeah, let us know in the comments or on Twitter. You can catch us at Locked on Nuggets. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit about the Grand Rapids gold and about who needs to spend time in the G League next season that's on the Nuggets roster. We'll do that on the other side on Locked on Nuggets. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Wrapping up here on a Tuesday. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us those five-star reviews. And if you're on YouTube, or if you're not, you should go to youtube.com slash locked on nuggets and subscribe. It's the best way to support the show. Um, I thought the training camp started in two weeks. I was like making plans and all like all of my calendars are in a line. And nope, it's it's not till October because the season starts a week later this year. And so it's like, okay, gotta come up with content for one more week. So that's what I'm currently in the process of figuring out. By the, um, by the way, three weeks is close though. Doesn't that feel it close? It is. It's right around the corner. And you know what? This is the first week because uh, t- on today's show earlier, if you if you missed it, you can uh, listen to it. The Monday's episode. Uh, I did a deep dive on Christian Brown. I watched all of Christian Brown's possessions last night. That was what I did with my. But that's what I do with my free time is I sit around and I watch all of Christian Brown's possessions on offense and defense. And I, after I got done with it, I was like, Oh, I'm ready for basketball to be back. Ooh, 
Like I'm, I'm ready for games now. I'm like, I'm back in the, in the, the zone. I'm ready I'm over the off season, ready for games to come back. I'm ready for those. It's Tuesday. The nuggets are facing the blazers. It's on it. You know, it's on at eight 30 ready to, to sit down and watch some hoops. Um, Can I ask you before you get to this last topic, Harrison wind reported today. I don't know if you saw his report that all of the coaching staff, all of them are entering a final year of the deal. It does not appear that they will be getting extensions heading into the season. I'm not surprised. I don't know that I've heard of assistants getting assistants are pretty commonly lame duck because they move around so much and they're always given the opportunity to go get the best offer on the market. Like I also think it's usually better for them, right? Like it's less a matter of you kind of have a job as long as the head coach is going to be there. Right. Like for the most part, unless there's a, a divisiveness or at least have the opportunity to. Um, so I'm not necessarily surprised at that. I did report on that by the way, or at least that um, the staff will ret- will retain over time no there won't be any departures this year um that went reported on the dmvr show because i caught it today um because i was waiting for you to get done so i could do mine um (laughs) but uh i also i'm not really surprised at that i don't think it's i don't think it's like a huge deal and honestly it just it benefits adelman right because he's the one that would probably be looking to probably move into a head coaching job or you know, maybe that's one where they, somebody can get a lead assistant job. Right. And I think it's okay. And honestly, I think after as many years as that staff has been together, it's probably going to be time to shake up the voices on the bench a little bit. You don't that's want the part I, I wondered about, Matt, that was yeah. more the angle I kind of took is I wonder how much, again, coaches are usually hired by the, by the general manager, this Malone and his staff were hired prior to Calvin Booth. And I just wondered if there was maybe a, you know, I have some assistants I wouldn't mind putting on that staff. <laughs> kind of thought process behind that from the front office um no comment <laughs> sorry i i had a my i had an internet glitch what'd you say oh i said i part of me wonders if there is just a front office idea of like i have a few assistants i wouldn't mind putting on that bench yeah that's always a fun one to watch and we'll see what happens but that's always a attention point i think that mm. And that one gets nasty. <laughs> That's one of the things that I think causes the most rifts between front offices and coaching staffs is conversations over the assistants because coaches want their guys and only their guys and nobody that's from the front office. It doesn't feel they, they get real persnickety about that, which is a tough thing. I think I, I always feel bad because the assistants have the least voice in all those situations are often just like, Oh, it sounds like a great job opportunity. Oh, the coach hates me. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, so the reason I want to talk about the gold, I read the, uh, the new Nuggets beat writer, uh, who's Ben Durando um, over at the Post, has a Q&A up with Ben Tenzer, who, in addition to being an assistant general manager, is also the general manager for the gold. And he's getting caught up to speed. And he's actually, um, <laughs> so this is a, a weird bit of, of kismet. Uh, quote in here, one guy has been very helpful is our assistant GM, Scott Schroeder. Um, I know Scott and I know Scott because I hired Scott to work at a G league blog that I ran in 2008. (laughs) That's awesome. And now he's an assistant GM for the gold. It's really amazing to see that Scott's um, a wonderful guy. and one of the smartest people. He was absolutely, he's always been one of the hardest working people I've ever met in the business. Um, But what's interesting is so one of the things Tenzer talks about is how much he's going to rely on that staff and they'll kind of do their thing and then report to him. And he's a conduit between the main club uh, and the gold. 
the gold has a pretty good reputation for both its coaching staff and development crew um, and the front office. It's known as a pretty good organization with people I've talked about, talked to around the league, but I am kind of curious when we look at this roster and it's so young and we've talked about, you know, Peyton Watson and him taking this, he's going to be a rotation piece from the get go. And we've talked about Hunter Tyson and how much he popped in summer league and Hey, if Reggie Jackson doesn't work out or if there's an injury, they may, they, they may need Jalen Pickett to be backup point guard. Um, the question of who will or should spend time next summer with or next season with the gold, I think is a really interesting one. What are your kind of thoughts on the gold's role this season? Well, what's interesting about it for me is that the Nuggets have an old rookie core. <laughs> Their rookies are old. So it's not like oftentimes you think of Peyton Watson last year, super young, super raw, go down there and let him kind of work on some things. I don't know how much Jalen Pickett could use, you know, how much he would benefit from down there. The, it's such a different game that you're not just getting up to speed or working on reps at this. It's just like a, he needs NBA reps. The gold is almost in some ways behind him because he's a 24-year-old rookie. Hmm. I will say that being down there with Andre Miller is cool. So maybe there's something too. He picks something. I mean, he has an Andre Miller-esque game. So maybe it works there. And I would say the same for Hunter Tyson, by the way, as well. He's an old pretty veteran player. He needs NBA reps. I don't know that having him go down and score 25 a game in the G league actually helps him for what he'll be need to be do in Denver. So for me, Julian Strother is the guy that I think could probably both most benefit. And that's because he has, he's younger and he has parts of his game that I think are probably more specific where it's like, Hey, you can go down there and really work on guarding the perimeter, you know, guarding, guarding in open space, those types of things getting to the rim. I agree with you on Hunter Tyson. I don't agree with you on Jalen Pickett. And the reason I don't is it's actually a really good environment for guards. The G League's always been like a really good environment for guards. One, because um, G League coaches will employ different strategies. And so they're a little bit different than NBA clubs. They will do things like, hey, we're going to press. Like, we're just going to run press for, you know, this this time. Or we're going to play like really aggressive defense at this area. And you get to learn different coverages and you get these rep these reps and opportunities. So you're right that that picket needs NBA reps. I think working against learning how to use his natural strength, um, the booty ball, versus guys that have his level of strength because they're men and not kiddos, I think actually could be valuable for him. That's not to say that he needs it instead of NBA reps. But if they're in a spot in the season where it's like, no, like we've got to, we've figured out the rotation and it's Jamal for this section, Reggie for this section. And then we get by with whatever combo it is. Um, and the options are Jalen's playing five minutes every, you know, not or playing garbage time or playing sparing minutes versus getting consistent reps and time with the gold. I actually think that there's some value in that forum, you just have to always be ready to pull them up when you need them. Cause that's really the kind of the thing here is like Pickett has to be the emergency option. And if he is playing with the gold, there is also the risk of like, look, he can get hurt down there. Like he can get hurt in the gold. Just so he can get I hurt mean, with the Pickett, nugget. Pickett's a second round pick. Like I love him and I really am high on him, but Denver can't worry about him getting injured. Like, I, I just think that's a, I hear you. I'm not trying to, I think it's more a matter of like, is it more valuable to have him as an emergency option with yeah. the main club and not playing heavy minutes, or is it better for him to develop his minute, his game down in the G league? 
I think I'm just higher on him than you are. And I think his game is a lot more polished than, I mean, almost any rookie. His issue is going to be his size. I mean, you you alluded to that. I don't even know if it's a matter of like learning how to use that against bigger players. I just think he's either going to be too small or not. And we'll find out kind of as the NBA unfolds. His shot can get a little bit, but there's things that he can get a little bit better at. But I think for the most part, he is close to what I think he's going to be as an NBA player. And I think the same of, of, you know, Hunter Tyson has a bit more of a can grow, but I still think that he is more of a ready now player. To me, it, it just does come down to, are there specific things I can look at from these guys that I think they can get better at? And for Strother, getting in two of the rim and finishing at the rim is huge. I think it's actually going to, I don't want to say make or break him as an NBA player, but it's certainly going to change the odds a lot. Can you get to the rim and can you finish at the rim? Because he didn't do that in college and he's got to be able to, he can't be a floater guy, five floaters a day. Like there's no player in the NBA that's just like a role player that takes that many floaters. Thoughts on Colin Gillespie spending some time at the gold? I think he can, I mean, he'll probably be there. He's a two-way player, so he'll probably play a lot of time there, but I don't know that it'll necessarily. The only thing I could say with Colin Gillespie is, I've always thought this, he's kind of too big. Like at that size, at his height, six foot one, six foot two, whatever he is, I, if, unless you could play booty ball or, you know, really push people around, which he doesn't necessarily do, you need to be quick and he's not really quick. And I think he could probably slim down. And so maybe the G league is good for him trying to work on his quickness or something like that. All right. Let's go wrap it up for locked on nuggets. Hold on. What about Peyton Watson? Is there any, okay. Yeah. Is there any world in which Peyton Watson, it's like, Hey man, you're doing really well, but we want you to spend a little bit more time down there. I think it'd be tough because it would be seen as the the one of the problems with the G League is it's always seen as as a major demotion. It is. Yeah, you're right. He's not going down there almost no matter what. Yeah. And like I think there's multiple reasons for that. I think part of that is like the front office's commitment to him. I think the front office is like, no, this is going to work. He doesn't need to spend time in the G League. He's good enough. Just play him. Just just play him the right way and it'll work. And so I I don't think I have a hard time. I think you're right. I have a hard time seeing that that being the case. Do I think that he could probably use it? Yeah, I do. I think it would probably be all right, but I don't I don't foresee it happening. If it does, it's probably an indication that something has gone haywire. How many games ball. do you think Pickett plays in the G League? Gosh. Not many. I'll say that. Um You think it's just a couple little stints here or Yeah, there? I think it's like 8 to 12. I mean, that's a fair amount though. That's a fair yeah. amount. So. What about Hunter Tyson? Same? Probably more, actually, just because they have more depth in terms of forwards, right? So it's like, if there's not room, might as well go set, go send him down there. I can see that happening, right? If he doesn't pop in, in, in training camp, I can see that happening. What about Strother? Strother, I, I definitely am with you that I can see him playing more. I can see him playing. I still don't think he plays a lot of games because I think they'll keep him with the main club for, so that he's practicing with them whenever they're available to. But I do think he'll spend some time down there for sure. I think uh, a handful of games as well. Okay. I think you're right. I'll say I'll I'll change my answer to uh, more than five, less than eight for both. Okay. I was going to say, I think Pickett maybe a little bit less and Tyson a little bit less than 12. But yeah, five to eight seems about right. A couple stints. Sounds right. All right. We'll be back later this week with more episodes. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to let you leave the five-star reviews. Hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.